0: And even today when you have the chance to sit at the table when the clock goes to zero for the pregame and everybody's rising and I take note that, you know, right now I'm the only one in this building talking. I'm the only one making sure that people are ready for the anthem and everything's quieted down. And that is such a weird moment.
1: untold sideline stories a podcast where athletes broadcasters and employees behind the scenes in the sports industry share their stories and experiences that don't normally make the broadcast (music) rebecca fiorentino here and on the show today you might recognize this man's voice if you've been to a sporting event on duke's campus
0: all fans, the starting lineup for your Duke Blue Devils. Introducing a six-one senior from Washington, D.C., number 3, Tyler Thornton. A 6'4 sophomore from Houston, Texas, number 14, Rashid Suleiman. A 6'8 sophomore from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, number 21, Emil Jefferson. A 6'8 freshman from Chicago, Illinois, number one, Jamari Parker. And the 6'8 redshirt sophomore from Meridian, Mississippi, number five, Rodney
1: Hood. That's Trip Durham, the public address announcer inside Cameron Indoor Stadium and outside at Wallace Wade Stadium. He's never missed a Duke football game since he was first offered the opportunity in 2009. A native from Burlington, North Carolina, Durham makes the trip to Durham for football and men's and women's basketball games. The voice you hear echoing throughout the stadiums. When did you realize you had a potential unique public address announcer's voice?
0: Uh, I don't think that I ever really have thought about it in that term. In 1984, showing my age greatly, (laughs) uh, as a sophomore in high school, I was walking down the hall and the athletic director at the time, who was also a teacher, stopped me, and he said, I need a public address announcer for tonight's JV football game. And I think when we're all younger, none of us want to disappoint an adult, right? Right. We just want to say yes wherever we can. So I told him yes, and after I walked away, I'm like, well, I don't know what the hell it is I just committed to. (laughs) So I figured I would figure it out, and that night, uh, while it was raining, it was Halloween night, there might have been eight people in the stands. I sort of figured it out, and thankfully through my journey of all these years, I've been trying to get better, take note of other people, understand the parameters of what you can and can't do. So to answer the question, I don't know that I've ever gotten there. And that's probably a good thing, too, because when you're in the journey, right? Right. You hope to improve. You hope to make things better or to learn. So the short answer is I haven't. Every game's a different game. You're always game by game. I've always treated it that way, that you're – you're only as good as the last game, and you are replaceable. I think even Jim Steed mentioned that in his podcast with mm-hmm. you. So yeah. it's, um, it's an evolution. So there's not a point to where I ever realized that I had a particular skill set. I just keep grinding, doing what I do.
1: So what are the characteristics of a public address announcer's voice?
0: Um, I think there has to be a bit of showmanship. Okay. Uh, the conversation you and I are having right now, if I were to have it with the headset on at Cameron or at Wallace Wade, uh, the octave would be dropped just a little bit. Okay. Because I think every venue deserves a little showmanship. Now, not to the point to where the public address announcer is over the top, but every venue gives you a little something different. So whether you're a house announcer at the Ryman Auditorium, if you're the house announcer in some public arts center in Seattle, Washington, you, you know the room, you know the event. You know what you're being asked to do. And so when you put on the headset, you have to find that place where you sort of blend in a little bit. So I think that is a characteristic. I think a characteristic too is knowing when to lay out and when to maybe turn it up a bit. Now the term laying out, for those who may not be familiar with it, is when it is that you literally do not say a word. There are times at Cameron in which there's no reason to say anything. Uh, If it is a dunk by a Zion Williamson, Or if it's a three-pointer by Ryan Kelly, it hits at a certain time, the fans are juiced up about it. So why do you push the button? Just let the the building take care of itself.
1: So you definitely feel like having a regular conversation with someone versus your voice when you're in Cameron or Walls Wade are very different?
0: I do. I don't know that I hear the difference now, but you might.
1: (laughs) I hear it a little bit, yes. Basket is good,
0: R.J. Barrett. People like to call other people the voice of, right? It's, it's the voice of Rupp Arena. It's the voice of the Watsco Center. Uh, I've never been comfortable in the term the voice of Cameron Indoor because everybody has a voice, right? Mine just happens to be the one with the push to talk button with it. And so my voice probably has to be a little bit different because of the sound system because of the makeup of the building itself I think if you were to talk to the guy for Rupp Arena or the one for Poly Pavilion or even Jim up at Villanova they'll all say the same thing that you have to do something just a little bit different with your voice to be able to bring the energy the cadence that whether marketing needs event operations need there has to be a little something different in there.
1: Was there a public address announcer that you have emulated or looked Mm. up to?
0: I think there are public address announcers that I have decided that I don't want to be. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think there are some people that are over the top. One that I have sort of looked up to and admired, this is going to sound really odd, but it's the young lady that handles public address for the San Francisco giants. Giants. She's awesome.
1: So good. Good afternoon, fans, and welcome to Pacific.
0: There's a smartness to it. she's never over the top, she's never understated. There's a, a not a flat line to her delivery. There's just enough of a ripple at times when she needs it, uh, but always very consistent, very sound. And I think that her tenor fits that part of our country as well. Let's- Conversely, if you look, it's another baseball reference. If you look at the gentleman that handles public address for the Red Sox, very monotone, very matter-of-fact. But there is something about the Northeast and the tradition of Boston Red Sox baseball in which he does not need to be that engaged. And I appreciate that style as well. Leading off in center field, number two, Jacoby Ellsbury. So more so Rebecca is probably just listening to the different folks in the different venues and deciding for myself, do I like, do I not? Can I steal something from that person? Do I want to? And through the, the journey, again, I'll mention, uh, I just sort of keep tabs and see, see who's doing what.
1: Do you practice saying people's names that, at mm, home at all?
0: That's a good one. I, I'm not as egotistical to think that I'm going to stand in front of a mirror and just talk. <laughs> uh, there are some names from time to time that I'll actually sit at the table or in the press box And with the microphone off, even during play, I'll repeat to myself several times to get into the rhythm because there are student athletes that you run across. You would have had no reason to say out loud ever before in your life. And so to sit in the chair and then realizing with all the pressure in the world, with your finger on the button, having to say, Maurek Dullajai, you know, like for Syracuse, you wouldn't say that in normal conversation. (laughs) <laughs> so once the once the button is pushed and you know that you are on the hook for saying Dolejai's last name, it becomes a different scenario. So if you don't get it right, you have to figure out in the moment to get it right. And so in my mind, I have to repeat it a 100 times in order to get there. But to stand in the kitchen fixing eggs the morning of game day, I'm probably not going through the roster and the pronunciation guide. But I like the question, though. <laughs>
1: So what's the most difficult name you've had to pronounce then? Do you remember?
0: Uh, I think uh, Rike Wale at Notre Dame is, oh, wow. a, is a fun one. Yes. Great kid, and I think that plays to it as well, that if in basketball especially, if you're able to see the personality of the student athlete up close and personal, you're probably able to make a little bit more of a connection to not only their body, but to their name. And so with Wale, you see this light, attitude this great kid with determination she seems to have a really good balance about her and so then in my mind that translates into an easy pronunciation because she looks at ease on the floor her name is sort of rhythmic and you can bounce along with it next thing you know you say it out loud and it works
1: that would be one i would have to practice in the kitchen yeah making eggs eggs. (laughs) i hear that Let's go back to the first time announcing in Wallace Wade and then in Cameron. Do you remember those games?
0: I do. Uh, Wallace Wade, and remembering too that having completed my 10th season during the 2018 season, when I first started, it was in the medical center. So the only chance you had to feel the crowd was through the window transoms that were built above the full panes of glass. And so I was trying to figure out, okay, what's the delivery going to be? And I'm not going to have any real feedback because I have all this glass blocking me. So I had to sort of develop the style that day. And it was my first time, and I'm not one to jump on fan boards, but that night I decided to. And my impression of my performance based on those people out there in the world throwing stones was not very good, I had a lot of people saying that my pace was all over the place that my voice was too high. My first time in Cameron, I've grown up an ACC fan, I was an ACC fan from day one, and to be able to walk into that building, put the headset on very memorable. it was a um, It was a countdown to craziness it was It was surreal, it was impactful it's to this day still an opportunity in which I can't believe that somebody asked would you do it?
1: Dr. Art Chandler was here for 40 years, the voice of Cameron, and then here's your turn. That switch, what were your emotions knowing that you would be this new voice of Cameron?
0: Hmm. Uh, Interesting question. I had a chance in 2009 to meet with Kevin White. He was fairly new at Duke, Kevin was ascending a few years earlier to be the president of the National Association of Athletic Directors. It is of the same umbrella where the National Association of Collegiate Marketing Administrators is from. So as Kevin was tracking to be the president of his group, I was tracking to be the president of the marketing group. So I had a sense of who Kevin was at the time, and in 2009 I had the opportunity to come over and just say hi had mentioned to him that I'm a resource just 30 minutes down the road. So if I can be of help, please let me know. I'm not asking for a job, but just know that I'm there.
1: Right, because before Duke and what you're doing now, you were at Elon I University.
0: Was. was at Elon for 14 years. So Kevin said, "Well, I want you to go and talk to Boo Boo Corrigan, who's now the
1: athletic director at NC State. That's right. But at uh, the time, he was here, here at Duke.
0: He was here at Duke, and he was overseeing external. I, I'm assuming that it was external. I can't remember." Uh, the particular details of the title. But Kevin thought it'd be a great idea for me to introduce myself to Boo. So as soon as I got back home, I'd already had a voicemail from Boo saying, hey, why don't you come back over? So the next day, having just met with Kevin, came back over, met with Boo, and Boo said we might have a, a need for football. He said, I want to walk you down the hall and I want you to meet this guy. Well, then this guy turned out to be Art Chase, who I knew Art when he was at Presbyterian College and Elon was part of the same league. So Art says, yeah, here's the script. Why don't you cut it? Send me the file, and we'll see if you're good enough for football. I did that, sent it. So a couple of weeks later, I get an email saying, hey, look, we really want you to be part of football in 2009. Uh, And we also, our volleyball coach walked down the hall and heard your audition for football, and she wants to know if you'd have an interest for volleyball. And I knew then if I could get my sound into Cameron, then if there was ever an opportunity, then at least I've sort of auditioned. Well, to your point, Dr. Chandler had been doing it for 40 years, and he felt like it was time to retire, and Duke had just won the 2010 National
1: Championship. That's right,
0: in Indianapolis, and Mike Saab, who was overseeing some external at the time, called me into the office and actually sat me down in one of the bench chairs from Indianapolis just a couple of months prior, and he asked the question if I'd be interested and even before it came out of his mouth, I think I was already shaking my head going, yeah, 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 yeah that, that would be awesome. So the emotion of it, it was, again, surreal because my first experience with college basketball, uh, my dad, who was a longtime textile mill guy, I was a big Carolina fan. Oh. And I was six years old. Back in 1974— uh, there wasn't a whole lot of broadcast of basketball games. So when you did get them, it was something to to really make an occasion of, sit around, watch. And I remember walking into the den, and my dad was so disgusted in the way the Tar Heels were playing that game. He actually threw a shoe at the television. Oh, wow. I know, right? <laughs> so I remember thinking to myself—
1: He's probably not the only one who's No, probably
0: that. not— a lot of screens with a lot of dents in them. <laughs> uh, I remember thinking, this must be a really big deal, this college basketball thing. And so I've been an ACC fan all of my life. I had come to games at Cameron. Coveted were the tickets, because right? Because not everybody oh, yeah. gets a chance to go. So the times that I went, I remember thinking, gosh, what a great building. And then when the story of Duke basketball started in 89 and 90, it piqued my interest even further. And Then the narrative of Duke basketball started in, obviously, 91 and 92 and then just picked up steam from there. So have always been a fan. And then to get the ask, Rebecca, I don't think that you can actually put one single emotion onto it. It's just a whole flood of them. And even today when you have the chance to sit at the table, when the clock goes to zero for the pregame and everybody's rising, and I take note that, you know, right now I'm the only one in this building talking. I'm the only one making sure that people are ready for the anthem and everything's quieted down. And that is such a weird moment.
1: I can't imagine.
0: But it's, it's a great chance to, to pinch myself and say, okay, don't screw it up. <laughs> uh, because, one, you have a job to do. Uh, but you also have to stand around or sit around and at least recognize that you enjoy it.
1: Tonight's anthem is being sung by the Duke University Pitchforks.
0: Tonight's colors are being presented by the Duke University Army, ROTC.
1: So what did your dad say when he found out you were going to be at Duke as the PA announcer?
0: Uh, He went to North Carolina for two years as an undergrad before he went to the Navy, then went back to Pfeiffer. But he was always a Tar Heel. And I think he was proud, maybe not so much because I had had the chance to do this within the ACC, Uh, My dad has always looked at the three sons as being able to do great things, even though we are not ego-driven and we don't see ourselves that way. He probably always knew that I was set up to do something like this, given my love for sports. And my brother penned a really neat blog a couple of years ago about my experience at Cameron, and he used the North Carolina game as his muse to be able to do that. And somewhere in there, he said that dad knew that we were destined for great things. So for my dad to be able to see that happen before he passed away in 2013 is really cool. So I had two or three years under my belt. And he'd watch a game, and I'd be on the way back. And he goes, I heard you in the background. And so that's, uh, that's a really neat memory.
1: Did he ever give you any critiques?
0: Uh, No, because I didn't even think that I was going to be a public address announcer. So he surely had no background by which to critique me from because he was never a PA guy. Uh, So he would have been and he knew his place as well. So I don't think that it would have been of his personality to do that.
1: All right. Now, game days. Do you have a pregame routine just like any of the other student athletes or Mm. members of uh, the staff?
0: I do because I do think that in whatever we do in our lives professionally or even as a hobby, that we have to have a routine to keep us in check, to keep us in rhythm. For football and basketball, I develop my own spot sheets. So that way I'm not dependent upon a game note sheet or some handout to the fans that might change from time to time. And that way my eye is always trained to it. So before the game, I create my own sheet for football and basketball. Uh, when I walk into Wallace Wade, I will walk. and it, This this will sound superstitious, but it's really just part of the rhythm. I'll take the same elevator. I'll make sure I stop by the same spot. I'll make sure I get to the booth to do X, Y, and Z before I then turn around to get something to eat. Say before hello I, to me. Say hello to you, naturally, <laughs> because we got to make sure that we're uh, co- food. coordinated. Yes, <laughs> and the cookies. Uh, and the cookies. Um, but there's a rhythm to it. And if you stay in rhythm, then over the course of a season, you're staying consistent. Same with basketball. I walk in through the same entrance. I go down the same stairwell. I'll go to the table, do X, Y, and Z with my book bag before I go get those notes over there and get my water, before I go sharpen the pencils, before I go sit back down. So all of that keeps you constant because if you ever fall out of rhythm, That comes across. Your body language is different. Your mannerisms are different. And then when you hit push to talk, folks out in the stadium or inside the stadium, because they are two stadiums, right? Yes. Cameron Indoor and Wallace Wade Outdoor. People will know. People will hear it. And that's not conducive to putting together the best run of show.
1: How much fun has it been to say Zion's name this year inside Cameron Indoor?
0: Uh, As much as it's been fun to say Zion, it's been just as much fun to listen to people talk about him. Zion Williamson basket good. To be able to see him throw a ball in at the scorer's table and to see the breadth of of his build. But then also to see his baby face and to know that he is an 18 or a 19-year-old.
1: He's just a kid He's still. He's just
0: a kid still. And a lot of people, I think, in sport don't realize that about the college game is that when they get bent out of shape over the way a student might be playing, these people are 18 and 19 years old, and, you and the fan, you're the you in the stands, you're, you're 65 or 70. So there is a, a modicum of reality that we all must remember. But to see, again, his build and then to see his face. He is truly a special, special talent.
1: Here and they say comes Duke. Yeah. So your sophomore year in high school, you're a PA announcer. What drove you after that and into college and post, post-graduation to be doing what you're doing today?
0: I've never been one that could put a bat on his shoulders and swing at a 92-mile-an-hour pitch. I'm I'm not one that could stand there with 11 guys rushing after you to call for a fair catch. So I have always been someone that has enjoyed supporting sport from behind the scenes, whether it's a manager or a statistician or, in this case, public address. So I think what drove me was wanting to do it again, try to get a little bit better. I like the idea of being part of the atmosphere and helping in a very small way drive the atmosphere Uh, and there's something really cool about going behind the curtain to be able to have a credential that you can walk in where not everybody else gets to go and it's not an ego thing it's just if you grow up in sport it's just sort of cool to be able to do it absolutely and I've never wanted to lose that so the progression from high school to where we are today It's just part of the evolution. Hey, I got a chance to do it there. Somebody heard me and they said, well, could you come do it with us? And then I get a chance to go do that thing up the podium and hosting at a banquet there. And it just stacks on top of each other. And part of the end result is where you are. I think it works the way that it's supposed to work. And as long as you work hard for somebody, then it plays.
1: Did you do any announcing or play-by-play in college?
0: I did not. uh, Actually, I did Uh, play-by-play for baseball when I was at East Carolina. Handled play-by-play for Elon for a couple of years for football and basketball. I've certainly handled more games at public address than I have at play-by-play.
1: With your voice, does it come? Is it genetic at all? Like, how do you have this like such a deep voice?
0: I had a friend in high school. And she she was my bestie at the time. I mean, bestie wasn't a word back then. (laughs) But we were pretty tight. But she was as Southern as Southern could be. You know, if the word was tree, there would be two syllables in it. It would be tree. And I said to myself, I am never going to sound that Southern. (laughs) So even in high school, I think I was very... Even
1: though you're from North Carolina. Correct.
0: I, I was very conscious about the idea that I wanted to be able to find a particular place in the delivery. Now, there are at times where any of us, if we get excited, I'm sure that there's some Southern that comes out. Uh, But I I really was aware of it years ago that I just didn't want to sound like that. There's a friend of mine that swears that I have a Southern accent. And when I first introduced myself to her, she thought my name was T-R-E-E hyphen U-P, Tree Up.
1: (laughs) Tree up. Right. And she, Tree up Durham. She,
0: she swears I introduced myself that way. I'm like, no, because I've worked on it over the years. I am not Southern in delivery. Uh, I love my heritage. I love my roots. But is, if I can sound Nebraska, if I can sound Kansas, that's the way I want to sound.
1: So what is it like for you during a Carolina-Duke game inside Cameron Indoor Stadium?
0: Uh, every game is special, no question. And I say this with all the reverence and love that I can But when the circus comes to town, it is just something different. And it's different fun. There's a different energy that the North Carolina staff members bring to the building. There's a different energy that the media brings. And obviously the fans are bringing their perspective. And if the teams were 0-24 going into it both, then it would be something special. But they're never 0-24. It's always a number one against number five or number two versus number eight. So to be able to walk through the doors, I try to get to Cameron a lot earlier because I know it's only a a once-in-a-year experience, so I want to be able to soak it in as much as I can. And actually, it's a bit disappointing when you get to halftime because you know, oh, man, it's almost (laughs) over. Over. Right, because you build yourself up once November hits. Okay, the North Carolina Duke game is coming. Even as regular fans, we know it's coming. When you get to intermission, you're like, eh. It's almost done. And you're saddened by that. At least I am.
1: Do you get nervous at all still?
0: Uh, Nervous, no. Uh, I am highly anticipatory, though. The hurry up and wait drives me crazy sometimes. But, again, I should enjoy the idea that I get a chance to hurry up and wait. So when we get inside the window, and Cameron's really well programmed, the run of show from the time the doors open, the zeros, really plays off the emotion of the fans really, really well. And we get inside that window of about 20 minutes and below, and it really starts to pick up. And that's when I get excited, nervous. No, I'll, still, I'll bounce my left leg during the starting lineups, though. I, I try to channel that energy where I can, though. So if you ever get a chance to watch, I don't know why you would, but <laughs> uh, you'll see that left leg thumping like a rabbit.
1: Well, you have such a great view for the game itself. You're right there on the scores table. These guys are right in front of you, so you get to feel that energy, too.
0: Yeah, and the one thing I've always liked about college basketball compared to football, and this is at no deference to football, is that you are closer. There are no helmets masking the emotion of the student athlete. And so you're able to feel the energy and then process it and spit it back out in such a different way. Football, you can see it, obviously, from 200 yards away with their shoulder pads and helmets, but... With basketball being able to going back to Zion, being able to look at the emotion that's coming out in such a, a, a baby face, as I've said, <laughs> uh, it is different, and I think it, it it provides a different experience.
1: Can you say Zion's name like you would inside Cameron Indoor Stadium? I
0: cannot because there is, <laughs> we are not inside Cameron Indoor Stadium, and people have asked that before. And there's such a difference that the sound mixer brings that the speakers, that the density of people in the building bring. If I were to handle a mic check pregame, whether at Wallace Wade or Cameron Indoor, it's going to sound totally different than when people are actually there. You know, the low hum, the mass of the bodies, it's just different.
1: I haven't thought about it that way before. Yeah,
0: but that's my way of deflecting to say I'm not going to do it for you. (laughs) Fine. There. (laughs) There.
1: Well, when you're not a public address announcer, what is Trip Durham doing?
0: Well, thank you for asking. Uh, my business is 2D Consulting. That web address is 2DConsultingLLC.com in case people are listening with a pen in hand. I've spent the majority of my professional life in sports administration. Four years with a minor league baseball club, 15 years between Elon and UVA, and now uh, approaching my ninth year in business is 2D Consulting. And so the 2D consulting model works in two different buckets. One, it's external relations assessment for college programs, and then it's project management for groups like the NCAA sports marketing group out of Charlotte, people that need a part-time employee. So between the two, that's what is 99% of my my yearly income. The 1% is public address announcing. And the one thing I really enjoy about public address is that I used to hire public address announcers in college. I used to supervise them. I would write their scripts. I would create the run of show, the timelines. And for what the marketing and operations staffs are trying to do here at Duke, I used to do it Elon and UVA. So I get it and I can help be a vehicle to deliver that. And I think that provides value for not only me to them, but them to me as well, because it's such a great two-way street of collaboration. And it's a lot of fun to be able to leave the office at a certain time, leave that part of my professional world behind, and then come into a world that is still closely connected to what I just drove away from. So the balance for me works out really, really
1: well. And I've asked this in my past podcast, What does success look like to you?
0: Success is not getting a phone call the next morning to say that we need to have a conversation. (laughs) Success is knowing that when you walk out, you have done exactly what you needed to do, nothing more, and nothing less. Nobody is going to criticize you to say, you didn't execute this for us. The public address announcer, like a basketball official, can be noticed if they want to be noticed, And they can also fold into the background if they're smart enough to do so. Success to me is not getting the phone call the next day. It's not getting a text on the way home going, we really need to talk. Uh, I know you're laughing, but you know, at the end of the day, I think that's what it is.
1: That is very true.
0: It's pretty simple.
1: Now, where can everyone follow you on social media? Uh,
0: Twitter is probably the best. It's at 2D Consulting. That's the number two. The letter D is in Durham. Consulting LLC. And website is 2dconsultingllc.com, so drop me a note.
1: And then I always like to end this on a fun note. Your golf fearsome foursome. With anyone, any sport, dead or alive, in your fearsome foursome, who would it be?
0: Robin Williams.
1: Wow, okay, yes. Uh, always like a fan
0: and, and died way too soon. Um, you know, because we're sitting in this environment, Mike Krzyzewski would be one.
1: That would be pretty interesting. Uh, it
0: would be neat to pick his brain for a couple of hours. Gosh, and then the last one. You know, my grandfather would be kind of cool. He lived to be 102, understood him very well, but now as I'm older, to be able to understand him a little bit more would be really neat. Wow, what a what an eclectic group to play <laughs> golf. I hope there's nobody following us because it's going to be a slow road for them.
1: Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and hearing your story. It's always need to hear the perspective from someone else in the industry. So I appreciate your time.
0: I can tell you the pleasure has been all of my
1: <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. If you have any suggestions or someone you think that should be my next guest, send them to at Becca Fiorentino on Twitter or Instagram. Music produced by Eli O'Neill Music. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe. I'm Rebecca Fiorentino, and you've been listening to the Untold Sideline Stories podcast.